Uh, James, today is a momentous day. Sorry, I'm pouring some coffee real quick. Okay, do you want me to say that again? Because uh, then you can react with the the awe and the reaction it deserves. Anyway, sorry, I've done, I've done it. You can say it again. James, today is a momentous day. Whoa, what's momentous about <laughs> it? Thanks. Today was my annual day uh-huh. of going to Fourth Valley College to talk about podcasting. <laughs> Wait, that was already? <laughs> that was the already. It's a year ago since like we did a last. It that like a month ago. No, it was literally a year ago, September. Wow. At end of September. Wow. And do you know why I know that? Because I loaded up my PowerPoint and the date was on it. And oh, I, yeah. just, I changed the date oh. and then added some stuff. <laughs> Of course, it was not a carbon copy last year. Because no, you do a full no, you do a full rewrite every year. No, of course I do. Yeah, but and generally, I realized today I was just having a good. I just had a good time. I'll be honest. I was there really for, uh, of course, to share the the value of podcasting, but just because I like doing it. It's good fun just to talk about. You've podcasting. actually learned to love this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was doing lots of uh, lots of unscripted improv, which was going about as well as you can imagine oh, my unscripted no. improv going. <laughs> and do you know what I find what I find so interesting was and they were a good group they asked some good questions at the end alright like what but with with students uh, like for example what drew you to podcasting oh it was the random idea I basically said it's the chance to do and say whatever you like oh because so in, in the media uh, yeah. with STV with Clyde obviously you're limited by time and you're limited with what the audience is looking for where they're at, whereas with a podcast yeah. you're choosing the audience and you're choosing the content yeah it's great. Yeah. Next time you get a job with the actual media, we might have to shelve the podcast. Well, this is the thing. You know, if I do end up getting that plum John McKay job, then bye bye, cease operate. I'm sorry, but that and, would be. And hello, sad sod. Yeah. <laughs> sad sod. Sad sod. Yeah. So you said? Well, kind of. Sad sod. Yeah. What a great name for a show. I tell you what, one of the uh, segments I talk about, I break down how to create a podcast into five steps, five simple steps. Wow. And one of them was, when you come up with a name for your podcast, you have got to run it through SEO, Google, social media channels to see if someone already has the name. Oh, yeah. Sad sod, I'm almost convinced, will already be a name of a podcast. I I can find a way to make that work, I'm sure. That's... Well, that's the thing. I would keep, I would keep podcasting, but it would have to change. Cease operate. You know, if I was presenting the news, that's when we go scripted. We give you the chance to yes. prepare everything you're saying. Right, because that's funnily enough. That's another one of my steps, which is you've got to decide: is your podcast just unscripted, conversational? Is it fully scripted? Is it a hybrid? Yeah, bit of both. So yeah, interesting stuff. But the point I was making was I find it so interesting the reactions of of teenagers, but particularly just audience members. Mm-hmm. I was talking about the way you can come up with names for your episode titles. And I said, for us, I will just choose a phrase that is said during the episode and that's the name of the the episodes. Rather than just a number, it's something a bit more and you can tell the audience, look, this is funny or it's a tongue-in-cheek or it's political or whatever. Yeah. And I read out some of our recent episode titles. We used to name it like after the topics a wee bit, right? Yeah, yeah, I did. And then we we changed that. So Now we're funnier. We are. And I was much funnier. And I was reading through some of our more, re- more recent titles. And one of them I read out was, Russia's not going to bomb Larbert. Yeah. And at this point, like four of them all turned to the same girl who clearly lives in Larbert. So... <laughs> wow, like, you did some social engineering there. Now you know more about her than you would have yeah. otherwise. 
totally unplanned and if you were dealing with adults you would all just like kind of sit or laugh or maybe someone would be like oh i'm from there but because it's kind of that funny studenty age everyone just <laughs> turns and looks at this poor girl in the corner <laughs> so hi uh person who lives in larbor if you see me at the spa give me a wave and i'll be like oh hey i remember you you sat in the corner yeah 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 but yeah, it was good fun, and thank you to Elspeth for inviting me back. I also, James, I did play a clip of you, which was your advice last year <laughs> on how to do a podcast, which was... I didn't remember my advice. It, it was... I could, I could play it for you if you want, but essentially it was, you've got to speak loudly enough that your neighbours can hear you. Yeah. In fact, you want to be so loud that the street may be concerned that you're having a fight with your parents. Yeah. Which oh, is good, good advice. Such good advice. And then, I didn't play this one, but I did listen back to... Because this is the fourth year I've done this. Indeed, yeah. Just the, the kindness of my heart, because I love podcasting so much. But mm-hmm. I listened back to previous advice you gave, and actually it was just as good, and I should have played it as well, which was just practice speaking. Yeah. And if you don't want to publish an episode, don't. Because you don't have to. Yeah. So my question is, do you have any new advice? For, oh man! For well, podcasting, we're going to bring this one up next year. Well, I'll clip it out now and save it for next year. But the people who <laughs> attended my class today, they can listen and they'll hear it. Yeah, because I told them to listen, so they better. Otherwise, I know where one of you lives. Man, what, so we got what did we we went we went we went practice speaking. We went then yell yell so loud that your street can hear you and adjust your uh, levels accordingly. Yeah, exactly. True. Uh, legit advice actually is to have good equipment. Like, don't start with just, like, a headset mic that you bought when you were 12. <laughs> Good. Like, we've done that a few times. It's been a mistake every time. Like, we've got ran with bad audio a couple of times. Bad idea. We just have. A couple of times. Make sure your equipment is good enough. Don't get one of them desk mics. Like, one of them Yetis that sits 10 feet away from you. And you sound like you're in an echo chamber when you speak into it. Sure. Get something that's close and personal. It gets those warm tones in the voice because it's near enough to your face. Yes. Warm tones. Like that, yeah. Yeah. It, it is one thing I did actually forget to say. I talked about microphones, and you do you can get some cheaper end ones, but I did also, I mentioned pop shields and micro, microphone oh, socks. Oh, yeah, those are going to be expensive. But yeah. one thing I forgot to say, and I'm going to add it into my deck for next year, which is, how close are you to the mic? At the moment, James, I, um, I'm so close to the mic, I can barely see it yeah. with my eyes. It's that close. It's like my nose. It's near my nose. I, got, I, could, I think I try to have the rule of like... Four to six inches, which some people will know a right. lot better than others, obviously. But you can measure that. I know it well. If you don't know, yeah, okay, yeah, uh huh. Thank you. Um, and that's that's. I, I'm very bad with mic discipline. It's it's less important on a, on a casual podcast like this. Sure. Um, very casual. But that's the rule. You don't want to go too close, not too far. Um, but definitely proximity is good for the for the warmth. It is. Goldilocks it. Yeah. That's what we say. We Every podcast, Colin says, Goldilocks it, and then we press record. <laughs> That's it. That's how we start. No, I was talking about the ways in which you can start a podcast. I had lots of different audio examples of, you know, podcasts are scripted, and they start with the same intro or the same iconic music, and I put ourselves in that latter category. Iconic musical start. Oh, sure. Yeah, iconic. Absolutely. So, yeah, uh, we'll see you next year students of Fourth Valley, and hello to everyone who is listening from, from both from the college, but also just in the Fourth Valley generally. Uh, the, the, the All heart right, of hello Scotland. everyone, specifically in the Fourth Valley, and our regular listeners also, who we appreciate, you know, more. 
than some random people from my class. For sure, yeah. Uh, but do you know what I do appreciate is the people who listen and then they become oh. longer-term listeners. They come back. They lurk True. in the shadows. They come, yeah, returning. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Hey-ho. Thank you very much for listening. This is Scotland's least dull podcast. Mm-hmm which I'm bringing back that descriptor because I was listening to old episodes this morning. I thought, oh, it's been a while since we said mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm, okay, okay. With the longest running season one of any Scottish news slash entertainment slash mainly politics these days, but sometimes sport right. podcast yeah. mm-hmm. in existence. That's a fact. Yeah. No fake news here. Okay. And I'm Colin and James is over there. I am. And here we are, your beleaguered hosts wow. for episode... Three, two, one. Oh, that's a good number. What a great! We should have done more with this title with this number. What a great hold number! On, wait, hang on a second. That one snuck up on us. Yeah, <laughs> ironically. <laughs> yeah, three, two, one. Wow. Do you know what it's? It did make me think when I realised it was uh, episode three, two, one. Blast off. Was how did your parents answer the phone when you were a kid? Uh, wait, now stay with I've me for been, this one. I got no because idea. Hello. If you recall, and it, <laughs> that's what they were. Hello. I I don't know. I don't know if you know this, but our telephone number. I'm gonna blank out the area code here. <laughs> but the, our telephone number was two one three two one. Okay. And so every single time my dad, oh. usually my dad, answered the phone, Please, it yeah. was yeah. Hello, three two one. Uh yeah, yeah yeah. Always in that tone. Always that slightly inquisitive tone. So I still still adding the number at the end. I don't think my folks always did still that. number at the end. Which is so old school, I love it. Yeah, that's no, I, I respect that. But yeah, did do your folks have anything like that? I was that? hoping you'd say 321 go. 321 <laughs> go? Uh, but no, we never had anything like that. I think it was just hellos. It'd have to be blast off. If you were going to go that, that route, you had to go blast off. May- I mean, maybe, but it would be less sophisticated. Did your phone have a, like a nice little ending or was it a, just a random smorgasbord of numbers? Uh... We had a two five two. That's a pretty good set of numbers. That's okay. Yeah. So basically triple two, except one's upside down. Kind yeah, basically. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I I like I like numbers with some symmetry in there that aren't just the same three numbers. Okay, that's good. Well, three two three is coming up, yeah. so you can save your excitement for that one. I'm excited. Yeah, that one's good. I'm wow. I'll be going. <laughs> Yeah. How are you today? You said uh, you, just before we started, you feel like your, uh, your brain is walking in the air. I started singing the snowman. No, I was, when I got up, not in the air, through the air. And not like, okay, I can sorry, feel, through the air. Important clarification. I can feel air. In, I can feel the it. electrons around you. I don't know. I'm, when I'm walking, I just feel it. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Or if I accidentally got high while I was sleeping. But I can. <laughs> When I stand up and I start, well, I went to go downstairs, grab my coffee. Everything felt like it was taking a little more effort to like move. Did you accidentally just dose rather than microdose this morning? <laughs> macrodose. Mac- yeah, macrodose. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, I'm. I'm now the. I'm now a lesser proportion of myself. I have actually been doing a little bit of reading. Do you know in my my constant quest to move? I my... thought you were going to say a little bit of drugs. <laughs> I'm well about to kind of, but. I'm essentially moving my or ping-ponging my uber focus from whether it's like okay. career to uh, failing yeah. relationships to diet this week. Okay. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. psychedelics. So you've been reading about psychedelics? I have. Mm-hmm. And the benefit of psychedelics. So Yeah, they outweigh a lot of other things. I end up going to South America and trekking for 10 days to some shaman so I can have some ayahuasca okay. and experience... Uh, the the I don't know the outer realm of my brain. Okay. Then that's that's why that's why that's where all my savings have gone. 
So it does seem like there are some benefits of psychedelics. Well, a lot of small doses. To be fair, a lot of the drugs that are seen by our country and other countries as pure, disgusting, and evil are not too harmful. Yeah. Some of them barely harmful at all, and they're just still listed as class A or whatever because traditions, uh, to the degree that we've ignored the evidence telling us to uh, decriminalize them for more than a decade now. That's fun. Funny that. Yeah. It's actually one thing we forgot to talk about or add to the running order, which is, did you see, I think it was the, it was a a cross-party committee of MPs who recommended that actually we should be decriminalizing some sort of drugs. And also there was lawyers who were saying, (laughs) oh, we're going to look at a way of making sure we can own or open consumption rooms in Glasgow without yeah, yeah, people yeah. being arrested. And on both occasions, the Home Office were like, no, you're not. You're not doing that. Basically, you can't do that. And yeah. we don't care that you've recommended decriminalising being a good thing. Too bad. With, with solid evidence, as always. It's, yes, it's happened again, basically. It, yeah. It's just, to me, that's just old generational thinking of, of cannabis being just the worst thing you could possibly be touching with your hands. <laughs> with your face. With, yeah, inhaling it. <laughs> cannabis, get it out of here. Far better There's, cocaine in the House of Commons toilets. That's what we want. That, well, yeah, it's the same again. Like half of them are d- are doing all of these drugs daily, and they want to ban everybody else from from uh, having any sort of access. Um, yeah, I, obviously it's illegal for them to do it, but they know that they can get hush hush hide it hide it. Who cares? I mean, I, I, I'm 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 not. Don't quote me on this, but when Rishi says he likes a uh, he likes coke in the Commons, <laughs> you know, <laughs> wing wing nudge nudge. <laughs> I got them with that subtle Maybe one. Maybe would explain some of his decisions in the last week. Tell you that. Hey, uh, but yeah, no, we've talked about it. We've talked about it before. I do believe that the the Scottish Lord Advocate, is that one of them that makes these decisions? Yeah. Somebody significant in our system said that we would not charge or clamp down on clean rooms. Yeah. If people opened them. So there's like... There is this path for people to do this illegal thing, and it and they've promised it won't be charged. But it basically means there's no funding for it either because it's not legal, and so it's only going to maybe happen in very big cities. Um, but it still is progress. It is progress. We're just going to ignore the law altogether. Yeah, great. Because sometimes the law is wrong. More of that, please. Yeah. Well, d- depending on what it is. Because we're about to talk about Russell Brand. No, yeah. Some of the laws are very good and correct, and then other ones are just a bit wrong. Yeah, sure. Okay, well, if you do end up... We did talk about doing drugs live on CSO Parade. We are maybe a step closer to that. One day. One of my friends did a psilocybin trial in the Netherlands. Funnily enough, that's one of these uh, psychedelics. Uh-huh, yeah. And he, whilst, was on, whilst he was on psilocybin, he would just get an easel and do some painting, and the paintings he would come out with were just... The most bizarre but, like, okay. surreal things I've ever seen. And he just said, if you asked me to do that completely sober, I would not be able to do that. Yeah. I'm only able to do that because I'm on psilocybin. So, yeah, here we go. And as a side note, when you see some super psychedelic or whatever, in quotes, art that you're like, oh, ho, ho, they couldn't do that if they were sober. Maybe the artists have heard that joke a thousand times and maybe you should say, wow, you're really good at art when you're sober. <laughs> Did you see this week, by the way, there was a Danish artist who is being, at court has demanded he return over half a million Danish kroner because he was given this grant by a museum to create two uh, canvases, two giant canvases with the artwork on it. And he submitted blank canvases and the artwork was called Take the Money and Run. Yeah, <laughs> that's well, great. Well, it's kind of great, but also (laughs) he he was supposed to be, be like making art 
the the, the contract agreed to some very specific art that was oh, did about it? okay that's it was funny. about money and about I think capitalism. Um, so I'm not I'm not quite well, in sure. That way, he's done it then, hasn't it's, he? He's ticked the box. Not really. Like, there was a contract. <laughs> so so if, fair enough. Who cares about contracts, man? Well, I don't know. I don't know. This one Break this one, law. I feel like the internet jumped in it like, haha, this 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 modern day hero stole money from a gallery. I'm like, art galleries are pretty cool usually. Uh and they maybe commissioned you for something specific here and you've given them just blank canvases. Uh I, like, if they just said, Hey, you're a modern art dude, go do some modern art and he just submitted two blank canvases, I'd be like, I bet uh, that's been done a thousand times, but good, good on you. Well done, haha. Um, but it, I don't think it was that kind of a situation where it was somebody with freedom okay. just doing some take the money. I think it was actually a plan, and he just failed and then took the money. To be clear, I'm going to have to backtrack here just in case I do ever end up landing that plum news anchor job. I am not taking or admitting. It's a joke. Taking this is drugs. a sat- satirical this is all, podcast. I am just <laughs> being funny. Uh, this is my alter ego, <laughs> actually. characters. Um, <laughs> yep. I'm actually way more straight in person, so clearly this isn't me. Um, <laughs> so so don't dig this up and make it a Daily Record article, thanks. Uh, yeah. Although, like... You know, all basically every single MP who's ever been interviewed has, has admitted to doing drugs sometime when they were young and reckless. Yeah, I mean, that and they've is never true. Gone to jail. The person we were about to speak about has long talked about his drugs, and he's never got arrested for it, as far as I know. Yeah. Anyway, shall we start? I suppose we've got a lot to talk about here. We were going to mention something. Oh, wait, how? Rupert Murdoch. There, I've oh, done yeah, it. Rupert Murdoch. Yeah, we wanted to nod to this. This has just broken the last few minutes, which is the news that Rupert Murdoch is um, standing down from his role being in charge of all these important media things because he's 92. <laughs> what an idiot, man. I mean, you're pretty old at that point. Imagine working until you're that old. <laughs> he's stepping down as head of News Corp and Fox and his son Lachlan, who is uh, the ripe old age of 52, so he'll be in charge for the next four decades. Uh, he is instead becoming chairman. He could die. He could die too. He could Succession die. in real life. Succession in real life, just less fun and dramatic. It was just really boring, actually. Okay, well. But, but very realistic. Somebody held on to a job and worked their entire life and then died. Imagine, though. I, get, I bet that wasn't satisfying. I bet he's on his deathbed. Looking back, he's like, why did I work that entire, yep. until 92? I mean, taking any sympathy I have for any of the Murdochs out of this, because I, I don't. If anything, it's it's the opposite. But whatever that you call that. Yeah. Imagine you're Lachlan Murdoch, and your dad is still running the stuff you've been waiting to inherit when he's 92. It must be so annoying. Like, Dad. I don't know. Please, just give me something to I can play yeah, with. Yeah, but maybe Rupert will have, like, a good two or three more years. Maybe two or three more months. Who knows? Um, Weeks. But yeah, per little boy inheriting a business at 50-whatever with a billion uh, monies in every single pocket he owns. Oh, no. Yep. Far rather be a tired host of a podcast that actually costs the hosts money yeah. to, to do. Yeah, true. Yeah, we're worse than them. Yeah. Speaking of, shall we uh, talk about actual news? Actual news. Hooray. Okay, we're starting with the news that comedian, in inverted commas, and actor Russell Brand has this week been accused of a lot of terrible things, including sexual assault, rape, emotional abuse, over the course of seven years at the height of his fame in the mid-noughties to the early tens, early teens. So this was 
after a Channel 4 Dispatches documentary, which was done jointly with the help of the Sunday Times and the Times newspapers, which featured four women who alleged a lot of these things, brought forward text messages, recorded voicemails, yeah, and then adding into all that stuff that happened during Mr. Brand's on-air career during that time, mm-hmm. including a clip which was played, and I couldn't believe this was actually aired, in which he's speaking on the phone to Jimmy Savile, and during the course of the conversation, he offers to send his oh, assistant... Yeah. Naked to Mr. Savile's house. And this was broadcast on BBC Radio in the daytime. Yeah. So as you can imagine, Mr. Brand has come out and said, oh, this is all a targeted attack and it's this, it's that, the next thing. The BBC have pulled a lot of the programs that he features on. YouTube have removed his ability to make money whilst these allegations are ongoing. Yeah. And he's also pulled his live show. Yeah. Which was ongoing in the UK at the moment. So, James, first of all, when I saw this happen or saw this break, it's fair to say I was not shocked yeah. by what I was reading, which is is a sad indictment of, I guess, where society is. But also, if this was going to happen or these allegations were going to be made about anyone I mean, yeah. from this time period... Is it fair to say that, yeah, you'd think that he may be one of there's a small, the likely culprits? Yeah, there's a small list of people in UK comedy and media circuits where you have them on the list of, eh, you know, celebrity culture was just the worst in the UK and probably still is just the worst. And people definitely got celebrated for doing almost everything he's been now being accused of yeah. not very long ago. So he was one of those people that got in the headlines for, yeah. well, as as a, like a, uh, what was it, shagger of the year and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had, he also, he's got a circle of friends who also had headlines about how they were, you know, getting with 16 year olds at 30, whatever. And it's all that disgusting stuff that's but coming just, back. But yeah, go on. Just on that point, though, just to give you some more detail before you continue, to go into detail with some of these allegations, one of the women has alleged that Brand assaulted her when he was in his early 30s. She was 16, still at school, and alleged that he referred to her as the child. Yeah, that. During yeah. an emotionally abusive and controlling relationship. And two of the other women have alleged, yes, some serious sexual allegations, including rape. And the Times says it's seen medical records of one of the women's treatment, which was at a rape crisis center the next day in California. Yeah. So terrible stuff. A lot of it is beyond what you hope is the worst that these people would do. You know celebrity culture, you know power imbalances and the ways that people were and are celebrated for uh, taking advantage of people and you 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 kind of have this idea in your brain that yeah celebrities cross lines and then the lines that is that are being alleged to have been crossed are so much further than what you kind of have at least what i had in my brain as russell seems like the kind of guy to do that and i think we've spoken about brand quite a lot because he he got politically active in what was a good way for a while, and then he, he did he did a rightwards turn. He segued, and that's one of the one of the things that people are talking about now. Is and it's when he started his rightward turn. There had to be a motivator for it, and he started talking about how the media is going to come after him. And it, now it looks like he knew that these stories were going to break, 
and he did this cr- he, this turn to try and get himself an audience who would forgive yep. him of all of these things in a Trump-esque manner. Um, and it just seems way too aligned. It's a cynical way of looking at it, but I did think the same thing, which was if you've, if you've created a narrative for yourself that is, yeah, yeah the media are going to go after me because they don't like that I'm speaking truth. And then when that does eventually happen, he'll say, see, because like his, his spin to the right was sudden. We talked about how weird and quick it was. You didn't notice it. Yeah. Um, some of our family didn't notice it. And then all of a sudden he's on the right wing. Um, so the timing is weird. And I think he's tried to take advantage of that to give himself a career after all of this. But we can only hope that, you know, some of these get the justice they deserve, which would include him being out of the public life, not getting the chance to like, um, continue on this very lucrative grift that he's started because these are serious it's like yeah it's not it's not ever surprising when a celebrity is grimy but it, it can be very surprising how grimy they are okay there's only so much we can say about that i'm sure it will continue to run and we will of course talk about it some more when we have more on yeah. that there are there there are some very good podcasts focused entirely on his spin to the right over the last whatever year or two so you could listen to people smarter than us if you just google his name and podcast and whatever keywords you can find. Okay, well, the other big story of the last few days has been, as mentioned in the intro, Rishi Sunak has decided to U-turn on about seven of the UK government's net zero and green emissions targets, including uh, things like a ban on the sale of new petrol and diesel cars, which was meant to come in in 2030. That's now going to be 2035. A a 50% increase in cash incentives to replace gas boilers that is now being scrapped and also other parts of it delayed. Uh, There have been other issues around electric cars, which has been met with a whole host of responses from the likes of Ford, Jaguar and BMW. When the car manufacturers are telling you you're making a mistake. You know you're being an idiot. Right. And today, when the car, when the car manufacturers are having to jump right. through hoops in the future to switch all to electric, and when they're saying your country is going to be left behind, we can't, won't be able to do business with you, you know you're an idiot. It's I can't believe he's done this. <laughs> it's so yeah. And to, today, I mean, I can. Uh, yeah. Today, Rishi Sunak has in, has insisted the UK will meet its net zero targets, the big one being in 2050, despite being accused of wishful thinking by the government's own climate advisor. I mean, because it is. Uh, The PM in an interview with the BBC said he was not slowing down efforts to combat uh, climate change. Uh, You are. Mm -hmm. And, uh, of course, this has had a lot of backlash. The Climate Change Committee uh, said today the UK has moved backwards. Which so yeah, James? I mean, it, it, why? It, uh, why the U-turns here on several of these pledges? Because he's a conservative and he listens to his rich friends who want to make money right now rather than survive in fifty years. Um, and that's it. That's better. It. It's the same as Quartang. Uh, it's the same as Trust. It's the same as people like Mog. It's the same as all of these idiots who just decide that money right now is more important than just generally having a space that is functional for the future. Because if we keep on dodging all of our investments into re- green energy, our investments into uh, making our homes uh, insulated well enough to uh, survive 
uh, while while also reducing our power costs. If we if we keep ignoring yeah. our switch from gas uh, to whatever other means, including things like heat pumps, which are increasingly uh, proven to just be better, just better across the board in a climate like the UK. Sure, um, mm-hmm. we are we are going to be left behind as a nation. Completely. All of these rich people are going to have to leave, which will will be great. Then we might make progress, but it'll be too late. Right. A couple more points here. So there is now a nine-year delay being slapped on the ban of new fossil fuel heating. This is so stupid. off-gas grid homes. That's now happening in 2035. The requirement for landlords to ensure all rental properties had an energy performance certificate of C or higher has also been scrapped. So... Yep, just just deciding. They, you know they try what? to paint this all as like, oh, the working class can't afford these changes. All of these changes are to make things more affordable for the working class. Yep. So it's all like, we'll help you pay for these things. <laughs> we will pay for these things. As you <laughs> highlighted in your first answer, this to me is playing to his base. It's playing apparently to people who voted conservative first time. For the first time ever in the most recent election. Yeah, and yeah. this apparently is going to play well with them. And that's why it's happening. It's And this idea that, yeah, UK is going to hit net zero is indeed we can't do all wishful these. thinking. We're not going to hit net zero even if we did all the current pledges. The pledges need to be so much better for us to have any hope of net zero. And then, like, just... The PM deciding to stop trying on some of these things is crazy because we don't live in a system where the PM should be able to do that. This has to run through two levels of government. But no, apparently we're just dropping those Yeah, because some guy said so. It's just not happening. But you no, know, yeah. So they're looking at, I think the rumors are looking at a spring election. Really? That was the rumors. That's soon. That's the rumors as of this week. Okay. Um, and they might do, they might push that back to autumn. So it makes sense that right now they're saying a yep. bunch of stuff because they're trying to build up that base now and for the next sure. five months and then maybe election. There, well, there, there is that one thing I mentioned there. This is a ploy to voters, 100%. I'm not sure it's the winning ploy, but it's something that differentiates them from Labour. But it's their own it's their own pledges. That's the thing. Like, it's also their own planet. And their own planet. Dafties, man. But yeah, no, so I think that I think the voter thing is kinda like wishful thinking as well. I think it's another one of their things. They've made this decision and they're 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 trying to come up with reasons in post. And that one of those reasons in post is it will work with some voters. It won't. It won't work with enough voters. No way. The only thing that they're getting from this is that they won't have to raise taxes on wealthy people right now because they know they can't raise taxes on everyone anymore. We've pushed it too far for the working class. The upper bands of tax need to be raised probably twice as high as they are so that more of the middle class doesn't pay maximum tax. They know that we need to shift to a tax system that, that taxes wealth and taxes the rich more than it does right now. So to make to make a world or to make a country where we don't do that. They're just giving up on things. So giving up on building houses, giving up on building schools and hospitals, yep. giving up on all of these pledges. They're just trying to do even more austerity when we should have been doing a lot of investment for the last decade and more. Yep. They, they didn't do the investment then. It's too late to do it now. And they're just going to have to keep on cutting costs wherever they can to avoid taxing themselves and their rich friends. That's the only thing. All of these other... Okay ideas that is going to work with some voters it's all just like cope they're just trying to make up like their justifications for it yeah okay so to move on because i do want to to keep the show moving climate change has been in the news 
in the last week as well in Libya. Yeah. And some of the, the stats here are are scary. And I'll read you some here at the moment. So the the top line here is, first of all, is the mayor of the city of Derna in the north of the country has said the death toll from the flash floods which we saw over the weekend could reach 20,000 people, yeah. which is horrific. So what happened here was... The remnants of Storm Daniel, which hit Libya on Sunday, this Mediterranean hurricane-like system, which brought more than 400 millimetres of rain to parts of the northeast of the country within 24 hours. And typically, over the course of September, the whole month, Libya would expect 1.5 millimetres. They instead got 400 millimetres. And because a country like that, unprepared for that sort of extreme weather event, dams, which had been, as far as I can see, left in disrepair and unattended, were unable to deal with the deluge, yeah. with the weight of the water. Yeah. And the stats here, now this because this is what surprised me, I did think, I mean, 20,000 dead is horrific, but that's a huge amount of people. How could that happen? A, a huge part of that happening, by the way, is buildings collapsing rather than people oh, yeah. initially drowning. Because with the weight of this water, it's believed that around six inches of fast-moving flood water is enough to knock someone off their feet. So that's it is, yeah, half yeah. a foot. Yeah. It's not very much, but it's fast-moving. Yeah. You'll fall over. Two feet is enough to float a car. Yeah. So that's all you need for things to start going haywire. So, yeah, it's little surprise then that whole buildings, which unprepared for flood water in the city of Derna, were then taken out. And that is partly why we've seen such an enormous yeah. death toll. But 400 millimetres in the space of 24 hours, that's what's led to this. And this is happening in real time. And yeah. I saw a story this week which suggested that these sorts of climate change emergencies are just going to become weekly yeah. and sometimes daily yeah. news now. Yeah. And this is a, a horrifying example. Yeah, and they're hitting a lot of mostly countries that either have not had the money to prepare their infrastructure well enough or they haven't had the people in charge interested in preparing their infrastructure well enough or both. Yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously most of it's a money thing because we stole all of their resources and whatever for like almost every single one of these countries has had the majority of his resources stolen for hundreds of years and they've tried to play catch up ever since and playing catch up you take shortcuts you've got less good infrastructure it falls down easier when very heavy fast moving water hits it um so every single time that we hear one of these stories if we're if we ever start struggling to feel the empathy we should feel responsible because is like even though we might not be super super wealthy, our country is built on the backs of exploitation. Or other countries like France is built on the backs of the exploitation of these countries for yep. centuries, yep. and they are the reason that these countries lagged behind globally. So, when we struggle to feel the empathy, we should instead feel <laughs> responsible. And it it's it's gonna be a thing we see more and more. And we have we've we've known for yeah. decades now. Because the smart people have been telling us for decades now that we're going to see more of these crises more regularly and more regularly and more regularly. And I think the last couple of years, it's finally started feeling real because we've seen them hitting 
so many different places in these major ways. It's too late now, though. And yeah, we can't change it now. It's too late. There's going to keep happening. All we can do is try to invest in improving things very quickly damage so that the world can cope with the damage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One more story in North Africa, and that was just a couple of days before the largest earthquake in more than 60 years hit Morocco. And the last figure... Yep is that more than 2,000 people died there and more than 300,000 have been affected. The epicentre of the quake was in the mountains and that has left villages unpassable uh, in some cases and people who, yeah, again, buildings collapsed and killed whole families. So really dreadful stuff. And once again, it's, as you've reflected there, a lack of, well, just money yeah. and that money to invest in better buildings, safer buildings, better infrastructure. Yeah, uh, yeah. And like, there's obviously for each of these individual countries so many different factors. There's different balances of destable, destabilized democracies or young democracies or never having a democracy or never having uh, infrastructure in the first place and how much of that was controlled by the US, by the West, by all of this. Um, there's all every single one of these disasters. There is a very, very short path to finding which of us Western countries is very much responsible in some way. And when we give aid and we give help, we should feel like we're not doing enough when we give 2% of our GDP to helping these people. It shouldn't feel like enough. Let's uh, talk in this section one more story, because this was something which actually could have been awful. And it's the news that a Russian pilot tried to shoot down a British RAF surveillance plane after believing he had permission to fire. So this is something we may have actually talked about about a year ago. So, But we got a different story at that point. Right. The BBC found out that this pilot, Russian pilot, fired two missiles, the first of which missed rather than malfunctioned, as was claimed at the time. Ah. Russia claimed the incident last September was caused by a technical malfunction, and the MOD publicly <laughs> the te- accepted... The technical malfunction being the person <laughs> yep. technically doing a bad job. But now the BBC has learned from three senior defence sources with knowledge of what happened. They told the BBC that Russian communications intercepted by the RAF aircraft themselves uh, gives... A very different account from the official version we were told, which, as you uh, laughed about there, was this, uh, yes, malfunction. So, essentially what happened is the ground control in Russia gave this pilot a very vague instruction, which was, you have the target. Oh. And the pilot interpreted that as, all right, so I can shoot them out the sky. (laughs) You have permission. (laughs) Right. So the RAF at this point, they were doing a surveillance mission over international airspace in the Black Sea. And these two Russian pilots went up to basically see what's going on. Second pilot interprets, you have the target as, all right, I'm going to shoot these guys down. Yeah. Second pilot it gives him what for, for saying, what earth are you doing? Mm-hmm. And yet he fires again. Oh, no. But this time the, mus- the missile apparently just fell out of the plane. That's Russian yeah, that's, military that's for Russian you. Russian tech for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... So yeah, that could have been a bit more of an international disaster. So, so, but just before I get to that, so the RAF plane here is called the Rivet Joint. Wait, what? It's loaded with sensors to intercept communications. It's called the Rivet Joint. Wait, I don't the, know why. The plane is called the Rivet Joint. Correct. And That's adorable. That means the crew themselves would have been able to listen in on the incident, which may well have resulted in their own deaths. Wow, yeah. So how about that for a cheery way to go? Oh, no. <laughs> Listening to them saying, oh, right, okay, that pilot's just fired at us. Oh, man. So, this, uh, of course, 
has, uh, in hindsight, been a, a good thing that there was that malfunction and missiles. But the good thing, thing that they missed. The fact remains a Russian pilot attempted to shoot a British plane out the sky with up to 30 crewmen on board. That could have been... I'm pretty sure. I don't even know what the consequence would have been, but it wouldn't have been good. I'm pretty sure that's a plot point in Hunt for Red October. Oh, really? Like a Russian pilot um, without actual permission taking a shot at some plane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was an air-to-air missile which launched successfully but failed to lock on. Yeah. All right. That's how close we were. Well, see, at the same time, what would have actually happened? Like Maybe it would have been the permission needed for NATO to get more involved in any conflicts that were ongoing at the time. Well, surely if... If the British public became aware that the Russians had shot one of their own and killed 30 people yeah. over the Black Sea, there would have been calls for... More intervention. Military Surely. action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ugh. Wow. Well, what the world could have been. Um, Indeed. Indeed. A, much, a much even more dangerous place. If you are one of those 30 people in that plane, we've got a prize for you. It's that you're still alive. Congrats. Get in touch with us today. See at gmail.com. <laughs> Oh, wait, so not the news. Yeah, not the news time. Yeah. Entertainment time. Life is great. Sometimes things aren't falling apart. Yeah, unless you watch uh, programs about terrorist incidents. That's what I did this week. James, what have you been watching? Uh, I, I've, I keep, I've got a few things on my on my list, but we could do we could do a call-it-focused okay. episode. I've done some solo ones recently. <laughs> I have a, a movie uh-huh. and a TV, sh- a TV documentary. Okay. I'm going to review both. Where would you like you to start? You go through those. If you still want to hear something from me afterwards, you just let me know. I do. Okay. Okay. What would you want to hear first? I think we start with the one that's too real and is not actually going to be lighthearted and fun. And then we actually switch to not the news. Okay, right. So let me tell you about 9-11. Wow. Which was just the other day. Yeah. Inside the president's war room. Oh, now, this is okay, right, yeah. a BBC documentary, which, uh, because it is just past uh, September 11th, as of 10 days ago, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is on iPlayer for the next couple of weeks. I can't watch it. I had seen an That's ad for it. From you right now. It was released a couple of years ago. Maybe, yeah, it was to coincide with the 20th anniversary. Yeah. I'd only seen it now. Okay. But because I am... I've not seen it. I, I am always interested in the kind of behind the scenes of, of these sorts of stories. And what's different about this documentary is rather than just having, oh, here's the investigative journalist from The Times, it's all the most important people who you'd expect to be on that dock. So you have George Bush and Dick Cheney and Condoleezza Rice. The BBC swang for that one. And actually having all of those figures in it does give it... Essentially, as much authenticity as as is possible. Well, it, it gives as much authenticity, but also gives as much authentic. They get to tell their side of the story, isity. Yeah, of course. Though they they do have other people on there. It's not just them. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it does give the insight into. Where did they go? What happened? Why were they in Nebraska? What happened yeah. at the Florida school that George Bush was at on the day? Yeah. All these sorts of things that, for me, as someone who does yeah, enjoy the sort of look back and what was going on, I thought it was a very well-made documentary. And it was very interesting. Oh, it will be, yeah. Yeah, of course, it will be, yeah. So if that's your... And it will be interesting. If it's your kind of thing where you want to look back, and some of the footage as well, like there was... There was if you're just a real big fan of 9-11... Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you want to remember that day, but also there was some footage of 
like the planes going into the towers I had never seen before and they it's keep, awful. They keep finding new angles. Every other month on Reddit is like a new unseen before angle of plane hitting tower whatever. And I'm like, well, how are we still finding and these? And then I got into a click hole of United 93, which was the fourth plane, which the passengers fought back. And yeah, they crashed it, yeah. I was reading into that and listening to audio files from the cockpit, and my goodness, like, unbelievable this stories. Pre- it's all, all of it is just so depressing. The whole thing is always just so depressing. So if you want to be depressed for an hour and a half, but you want to learn something and hear about uh, what was going on... Well, an hour and a half if you don't immediately follow up with an entire night of reading c- Wikipedia. Correct. So if you want to waste an entire evening, start with <laughs> 9-11 inside the President's War Room. It's yeah. on iPlayer for the next couple of weeks. Highly recommended. I really enjoyed it. If enjoyed is the right word. So, yeah, go check it out. What is the word for that? Enjoyed, but not. (laughs) What's the word? You're the words person. You think so. But, um, no, it's leaving me. All right, tell us your... Dear dear listeners, if you're a survivor of 9-11, please let us know what word is the word to use when you enjoy a documentary about it, but it's like not enjoyable at all. Yeah, absolutely. We've both forgotten the word. <laughs> I will think about it when I ask you to review something. So here's the second thing I've seen, everybody. And this is the threequel that nobody asked for. It's... The Equalizer 3. I couldn't believe it. When I was seeing trailers for this pop out, I was like, hang on a second. Yeah. We still want one of these? So I (laughs) will have reviewed both previous Equalizers. And for those of you who are thinking football, nope. This is Denzel Washington violently killing people. To a clock. Essentially, yeah, timing himself to see if he can do it within a certain period of time because... You know, gotta have fun while you personal best slay yeah. people, right? Play while you slay. I mean, so here he is coming back for a third time. I think he's now sixty-seven. He's an old guy. He's, he's not ninety-two. He's, he's not a Tom Cruise or a Liam Neeson, but he's there or thereabouts. And I believe this is the last one. And I, it should be. I'm assuming they wrote into the story that he's old now. Kind of. So to give you a brief oh. summary, this one is set in Italy. And it's about Denzel taking on the Mafia. (laughs) He went to Italy, which, to be fair, is not known for its timekeeping. He's going to hate it there. Precisely. Everybody's late. He's waiting to kill people and they're just not there. (laughs) So Antoine Fukua, who directed the first two, is also directing this one. And Denzel, as you can imagine, lead character and just acting everyone else off the screen. Being Denzel, yeah. So it's... Again, I would say I enjoyed this, but I'm not sure enjoy is the word. It's slightly different because... But different, not harrowing enjoy. No, no, it's it's not. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. it's the kind of movie which you can slap on in the background, and it's very predictable, and you know what's going to happen. Would you, would you say... But you still enjoy it because it's Denzel? Would you say it satisfied you? It, it did to an extent, but there is some of the worst dialogue I've ever heard written this year, maybe in a couple of years. So, for example, right. they have uh, you have Dakota Fanning, who's always grown up now, as the lead CIA agent right. in the case, who's attempting to keep up with Denzel's rogue ways, because he's he's retired. Oh, wow, yeah. And he's, she's working with... Yeah, what can you do? Retired people are crazy. She's working with David Denman, who is the actor best known as... Uh, the guy from The Office who is dating Pam before Jim does. I can't remember his name. Oh, I forgot his name, too. 
that guy. Yeah, that guy. He's quite big and not very attractive. But anyway, Warehouse guy. He's he's now got a beard and he's old. And the two of them, because they're working for the CIA, they're trying to keep up with Denzel. They'll have these conversations, and she's like, "Oh, we'll figure. Well, we're we're one step behind. I know where to go. You go there." And they'll say things like, "Oh, it's the mafia," and the person will be like, "All right, you got this." And she'll answer by saying, "I'll see you at the finish line." Who, t- who talks like nobody in the- they're all talking in catchphrases right they've, nobody talks they've like that they the worst lessons from Marvel films and the entire way through I'm thinking who's writing this script I mean the, the script wise and this is where I differentiate it the script of where the movie goes yeah and the logic of okay that happens that happens that happens fine it's the dialogue is yeah. painfully bad That there's a few film right, filmmakers that do that that's like a Zack Snyder thing right the Zack Snyder films always look good and then the story usually does its job, yep. and then the dialogue is just like, what? There were so many, Who wrote this? and it wasn't just like one occasion. It was about, I'd say, a dozen scenes where it would end, and I was just sitting there shaking my head like, who wrote that <laughs> line? Really just awful stuff. However, if you're in it for, you, you, if you want to see someone who's sitting at a desk looking very concerned, all the CCTV cameras are going out, and then all of a sudden, a red-hot poker comes sticking through his neck. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. This is the movie for you, folks. Yeah. So, gratuitously violent, uh, but Denzel's very good, and it's, yeah, chuck it on the background and equalizer. See you later. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone is going to miss it. Right. So... James, what have you watched? You know what? I'll do. I'll do a follow up to that because I watched something that's got some similar notes. I've watched in the last little while. Knock at the cabin. Oh, I think I saw. Is this the new it's M Night Shyamalan? Interesting. Yeah. Right, give so us an overview. Of people who make things that look really good, but the dialogue is atrocious. I've watched this film. Right. Because it does. It looks really good. He's like Shyamalan is so good at like getting decent performances out of any cat, any actor. And in this film, there's a lot of very good performances, especially it's from Dave Batista. Batista. Yeah, yeah, he's shining in this film, of course. Um, but he's just the dialogue is trash. But yeah, anyway, <laughs> this is like a, supposed to be a psychological horror f- about like a, a, a family who gets sort of semi abducted at their own cabin that they're on holiday at by four crazy ish people. It's unfortunate. Um, and those crazy ish people are trying to convince the family that one of them needs to be sacrificed uh, to save the world. Um, Standard holiday to you. So. Yeah, there's like, there's, yeah, exactly. There's like seven people in the film. Uh, one of them's a kid. There's, oh, well, there's other people too, but their background, well, whatever, whatever. Um, and overall, the acting's great. And it was nice. You know what? Rupert Grint was in this film. I didn't know that until I watched it. Um, Is he, he's back? He was in a film. Um, Ron Weasley. Yeah. How about that? Um, he, he was good. And all the, I, they, I think all the cast was good. Uh, act one and act two were good. The dialogue, again, dialogue. Whenever they stole the dialogue from the book, you could tell because it was good. And then when they were like making up their own dialogue, you could tell because it wasn't good. Um, and they, they, I think Act 1 and 2 definitely would have had, definitely had a source. I think they followed the book. Um, and I could tell when they stopped doing that and tried to make it a film of its own thing. Because Act 3 just lost it. Act 3 lost all the suspense. Act 3 lost all of the intrigue. Act 3 lost everything. And it was just like, uh, yeah, big reveal. And then it's like, oh. Uh. Oh, thanks. Um, so, yeah, Shyamalan, again, he can be magical and great. And the thing that holds him back is that he needs more people helping him do the writing. Is it the kind of thing, though, where someone like M. Night Shyamalan, and the same goes for Antoine Fokua, people now see that they can direct and they can make movies and the movies make money, and people or studios will give them the money to make a movie, even if 
it's not actually going to be that good. They're just doing it based on the name. Well, yeah, they do it for the name and they do it because they know it's going to make money and they're, therefore the, the, the directors get the freedom and, well, and the writers in this is the director or writer gets the freedom to do what they want with less correction, oversight, um, and everybody needs an editor. Like, so as much as we complain about Disney movies coming out and always being overly uh disneyfied and you can tell a whole board of people has made every decision the opposite is also bad where a director with absolutely zero freedom no zero zero oversight and complete freedom can make a lot of mistakes that they don't see from their perspective because they've got their vision or whatever and m knight needs a little bit of writing here and there especially in the dialogue but even then even with all this bad dialogue the cast was doing great the cast acted this okay so incredibly um so i actually did enjoy it and also i knew it what i came in with low expectations because i knew it got not very well received critically and it exceeded those because of the cast it does look like uh, there's uh, some gay dads in the movie yeah representation um and Wait, not like nice. weird forced one and it was actually a plot point all right I don't want to spoil it, but at the same time i do um kind of the overall feel of the film is that there's this these this little mini cult of, of people have adopted adopted uh, abducted a family. Wow, uh-huh. and they're trying to convince them that they need to, need to sacrifice one of the family members. And the whole feel of the show of this of the film is that we in the audience don't know if the cult is just crazy or if they're kind of actually being prophetic. Okay, and that's Act One and Two is nailed. There's there's all the intrigue. They're trying to convince the family. Then Act 3 just gives up on kind of keeping the intrigue and they tell you whether they are real or crazy. And it's very disappointing that they did that. I wanted to leave this film not knowing and I left the film knowing. Oh, okay. That's disappointing. Well, dear yeah. listener, if you have been similarly disappointed by a movie or a TV show... But not by the actors. Let us know. Send us a review. Seesawparade at gmail.com. To the lurkers out there, send us something written. You don't need to have your voice broadcast mm. to mm-hmm. seventeen different countries to listen to the show. You can do a you can do a five word review with a star yeah. rating. You know, Everyone do, do give do us that. a DVD review from the Times. Okay, <laughs> let's move on. A couple of trailers to talk about. First one, I can't believe I'm saying this. Chicken Run has a sequel. Hey. Yeah, coming yeah, to yeah, yeah. Netflix around Christmas time. With some of the original voice cast, but some of them were too old and weren't asked. Yes. Here's a trailer. Oh, and also some of them was Mel Gibson and no one likes her. Last time we broke out of a chicken farm. Well, this time... We're breaking in. It's an impossible mission. Fire. No one likes an anti-Semite. Except other anti-Semites, who also nobody likes, so it's fine. Chicken Run, the sequel. What do you think of the trailer? It went places I didn't expect for a Chicken Run sequel, but I should have known that Aridman would do that. Sure. I've watched Wallace and Gromit, you know? (laughs) They're going to go mental. (laughs) I have one question. Okay. Because I don't remember the ending of Chicken Run... But my recollection of every Ardman feature I ever saw was that the villains were never killed. No, not killed. Ardman no. always seemed like the kind of family-friendly animation who would end up with they'd be in jail, and the final shot would be them looking very sad, holding onto there, yeah, there's you know, a lot prison of that, yeah. bars or being driven away in a van. Is this the movie where Mrs. Tweedy is just thrown into a meat grinder? I mean, we thought that she... I actually... I think in the last chicken run, in the first chicken run, rather, 
like the Mrs. Tweedy, d- it did look like she died at some point. Uh, you know, there was. I could have to look this it up. It was pretty. It was pretty like chicken sh- run finale. You could watch it right now if you want. Yeah, hang on, I can wait. This movie's two th- twenty three years old. It came out in two thousand. Yeah, it's ancient. It's 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 the olden days at this point. So as I'm looking up to see if Mrs. Tweedy was indeed uh, mutilated, she went through some torment. Do you think we will see death? In the sequel, no, like so. It would. I, That's I th- what this franchise needs: death. They need the, They did the main character death. Um, I think. I think Iron <laughs> have their style, and their style sometimes leans towards making you think people have died, and then showing you that they actually haven't. And um, so I think we'll see that again. Um, but it, it, like honestly, I had zero expectation of this looking good. But then I remembered. It was a very brief, I was like, oh, Chicken Run, no way is that going to be good. And then I remembered, it's Iron Man. You can trust them every time. Even if they make something that's just like ticking the boxes, mediocre, it will still make you laugh. It will still be satisfying. It will still have loads of charm. They are just good at what they do. Okay. Um, so put that brain on of like, re- of the this is, this is going to be a film made for a younger audience with jokes that only the adults will get. Yes. Um, so no matter what, you will enjoy it. So put that brain on of just low-key low, low enjoyment. Just chill. So to put you out of your, your misery, as it were, if you recall the original movie, Mr. Tweedy, mm-hmm. who is uh, Mrs. Tweedy's long-suffering husband, yes. he's constantly reminding her in the movie, those chickens are organised. Yes, they if you are. remember. They're very organised. And in the, in the end, I'm going to quote here, now fed up with his wife's aggressive behaviour towards him, yeah. pushes the barn door down on top of her. Yeah. There is murder in Chicken Run. But no, because it's a wet, muddy ground. And therefore, she got squished into the ground. <laughs> okay, she she got squished. That's and that's into the ground. Just into the ground. So she was okay. Maybe a mild condu- concussion. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like uh, if you got run over by uh, it's like if you got ran over by a steamroller, but on like a like in a soft play area. Perfect. Right. Okay. Well, let's see if Mrs. Tweet. I mean, she's obviously alive and well. Clearly. Has walked off that uh, barn door squishing. The trailer looks insane. Uh, I'm sure it will be a lot a lot of fun to watch. <laughs> I worry that it won't have the same stakes as the first film. It doesn't, because obviously... Oh, it's chicken, so it's no <sighs> steak. That's, that would be <sighs> cow run. Um, the first film, obviously, they're trying to escape their inevitable death, one. you know, in this... Factory or this this chicken that's this this uh, farm that's changing from a egg farm to a pie farm, um, so that's high stakes. I don't want to be a pie. I don't. I do not want to. Well, <laughs> anyway, that's high stakes. And I to think um, about that. indeed, it sounds cozy. Um, so so I, I worry they're gonna they're gonna struggle to recapture that, and they might have like, I'd say jump the shark, but I think I have to say jump the duck because they've got the laser ducks. I have to do yeah, that. That's my responsibility. Um, so, so yeah, that's the one concern. But even then, it will still be like really, really fun. Right. Final entertainment story for today. This is something I missed, but uh, James, you are fully aware of. I do. Yeah, listener, apparently ages ago. I'm yeah. the kind of person who will see a YouTube video that's like, Chris Evans talks about his most iconic roles in Snowpiercer, Mm -hmm. Captain America, and Scott Pilgrim. And for any of you who know me, I know you very well, my love of movies, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World from 2011 is one of my favourite movies ever. It's so much fun. And if you look at the cast, it's now like a who's who of famous people, including Brie Larson, Chris Evans, well, it's, it's, yeah. Michael Sarah, It's crazy. Anna Kendrick. 
Kieran Culkin. Yeah, all Kieran of these Culkin people. And loads of other people. Perfect in this film, though. Oh, he's so good. Anyway, I learned through watching this video with Chris Evans, who was talking about his time on the Scott Pilgrim set in the movie, that all the cast are coming back yeah. for an anime Scott Pilgrim TV show. Yeah, Scott Pilgrim, the anime. As someone, James, who has watched a handful of anime. Okay. Nearly Sidamini. That's how much I know about it. I, I don't know how to feel about how this trailer looks, so I'm going to hand the microphone oh, to you. What do you think? Right? Wait, really? Well, because it's a westernized anime, you should be able to feel whatever you want about this completely no, right. freely. It just... But but I, I don't know what to expect in terms of... Yeah, it, it looks does good. Does it look good? Does it look bad? Because to me, it's just anime. No, yeah, but... It, it, I, at the same time, it's not because it's whatever you want. It's whatever it makes you feel because anime isn't just a style or a look. It's it's just right. animated TV like any other animated TV. No, but but hold on. But you know what I mean in that. Let's say let's say I played to you a right. deathcore track of a deathcore song. You'd be like, all right, I can tell that that is deathcore. But you would not be able to tell if it right, was but good that's, that's what I, or if it was if it was just a bad song because you don't know the genre. That's what I mean. Whereas I'd be like, no, that's a good song. Yeah, anime isn't like a, a genre. It's just a an umbrella term for animated f- um, f- um, features that right. come out of a specific region of the world or in a style that e- that emulates one of the studios in that specific region. So it's like universal. It can be it can be anything. Okay. Every cartoon technically an anime, right? Anime. Some anime fans will hate that as a as a as a as a phrase, but it's true. Um, and especially things like uh, the Avatar cartoons from the from the, from way back in the day. Sure, those are basically an anime. They're just uh, very comparable. So in this, this is the same here. We've got a, fi- a thing that is a Western story uh, with a, a stylized anime look, um, and you can feel whatever you want because it just is trying to emulate the uh, original. Uh, not film, but the original uh, graphic novel. Right. Um, and that's one of the cool things is that they've brought back the cast that we loved and they've got the freedom to do the story even better because the first time they did it, obviously it made a very good film, but because of the runtime of the film uh, and certain expectations in terms of uh, story beats and things like that, it's not quite the story as originally written. And this time we get to revisit it um, with more freedom and uh, especially more freedom in terms of what the characters are physically capable of. Um, so it does. It looks fun. It looks good. Um, I did, I, indeed, I, I think we almost talked about it, but I think I chose not to share the earlier teaser because the earlier teaser was just a cast announcement in like March, All right. I think, late March this year. Um but it's really cool. Overall, I am just excited for this. I was excited as soon as I heard it was a project in the in the works. Yeah, so am I. Um, and it being like list, like labeled as an anime is is it's a strength. It's it's not really a weakness. But it doesn't mean that that you can't watch it if you haven't watched anime. It's it's not like it's going to do anything really weird or different or that you that you can't enjoy. James, the long-running story of the Spanish women's football team has come to a sort of end for now. All right. 
Okay. I'm sure there will be more twists and turns in the way, but this is the news that most of the Spanish team have agreed to end their boycotts. This was the Spanish sports minister who mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on uh, Wednesday said that agreement was reached at five in the morning after more than seven hours of meetings, which meant that the players who were all called up for this month's uh, international games were now going to appear. I think there's only two of them have decided to stay home. So okay. the players, to give you the, the backstory here, they began that boycott after the football president, Luis Rubiales, kissed Jenny Hermoso. Yes. After they won the World Cup. And that, of course, totally took away from them actually winning. And that kiss, which Hermoso has said was not consensual, has eventually led to Rubiales' resignation. The, the manager, Jorge Vilda, got sacked. And it, this is all going to keep going because there's loads of legal cases there and is. suspensions is. and investigations, but the players at least are now going to say, yeah, we'll play again. Yeah, so as far as playing the game goes, we've reached an end of the story, but we have not reached an end of the story as far as legal stuff goes. Yeah, m- much more to, to come there, but worth yeah, Hopefully worth they noting. enjoy the game. Okay, I want to talk some more about this story. Okay. This is the news that... The U.S. House of Representatives mm-hmm. are to open a formal impeachment oh. inquiry <laughs> into President Biden. Wow, so, surprise. Kevin McCarthy, who is the Speaker of the House, I believe, yeah, Republican, said this inquiry will focus on allegations of abuse of power, mm-hmm. obstruction and corruption. Ah. So the Republican Party have been investigating the president in public hearings. Since they took control of the House in January, uh, these hearings are yet to find any evidence of misconduct. Uh, However, we better move on to impeachment, though. Right. Yep. Next logical step. These hearings have basically focused on Joe's son, Hunter. Who is Joe Biden, basically. They're the same person, basically, right? They're the same person. And now Republicans are, are questioning how much did the president know about what his son was up to. Oh. And that's, that, to me, is where this has come from. But as we've seen from dozens and dozens of analysts, this is revenge yeah. more than actually yeah. legitimate concern. Well, revenge maybe is a word for it, but also it's just stirring up their base. It's trying to make them make their base feel like they're, they're doing what they can. They're still powerful. They're still yeah. decisive. It it seemed to be like there was a lot of threats internally that if Kevin McCarthy did not go for impeachment, that he was going to lose his job. That's the real reason is like a lot like some it's the same group that was making it really hard for him to get his job are now trying to hold things over him for him to keep his job. Um, And that's the real reason it's going ahead is because he got threatened and he's a coward. Um, will it go anywhere? Maybe. Who knows? Probably not. But maybe. And if it does, you know what? Good. There should be oversight into every single president. If there are misconducts and whatnot, there should be. Uh, it should be investigated. So, there's one of the situations where it's like great, good on them. They're investigating the president. That's what you should be doing to every president. Uh, but it, like when it gets to things like bringing it up for an impeachment inquiry, you maybe want to have a bit more of a leg to be standing. You want you want sh- solid ground. You want some evidence that's not just like, ah, his son is a b- bad boy. Yeah. Oh, speak- speaking of the bad boy, though, he is a bad boy. Speaking of his son, he is going to appear in courts uh, next month on federal gun charges. He's been accused of three counts of possessing a gun whilst being an illegal drug user and lying about it. Yeah. Uh, Hunter Biden's lawyers have said he'll plead not guilty. A 53-year-old 
would face a lengthy prison sentence if found guilty. And also he has, I believe, other court issues around his tax and business yeah, dealings. Yeah, tax and stuff. Yeah, he's like he's 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 a bit of a sh- slimy, a slimy yeah. dr- drug doing uh, boy, you know. At fifty three, still a boy. Um, Apparently. So like, and it's it's like yeah, like the Bidens. I don't I don't like them. I don't I don't I don't I don't I don't I want Biden to I want Biden the, the, the Joseph kind to not have power and I, I want his son to stop being uh, able to be slimy publicly and freely and not get investigated like anybody else would be immediately like charged and in jail so it's good to see these things actually being treated legitimately hopefully the legitimacy continues just a, a, but... a, a side note sorry because of time is is pressing one other thing i do want to talk oh, yeah, about no, go, go. is the fact that the u.s senate could be or government generally could be headed for a shutdown because they have to agree their budget and one of the sticking points is spending to ukraine right yeah and that does appear like the Republicans have also, and amongst the other things they've been doing for the last few months, uh, have been slowly backing away from supporting Ukraine anymore. For uh, the last year and a half, the US have given mm-hmm. more than $110 billion worth of aid, half of that for military assistance. But it does seem like Republicans are a bit like, actually, nah, we're not doing that anymore. Right. Which is... Because they like Russia. Yeah, they do. I mean, at the same time... America not profiting from the war is also a fine thing to do. If we, if America wants to stop profiting from somebody else's war, sure thing. Europe should be stepping up more because we profited Russia for decades, gave them our money for all of their gas, and we made them a key part of our infrastructure and enriched them for so long. We should do more. America making money off of this? Yeah, it is bad. Um so it's one of those things like it, that's not the reason the Republicans are, are are wanting to step away though. The Republicans are wanting to step away because several of them are in Russia's pocket and that's bad. So it's a shame that they're kind of like Sure. Yeah, it's good to argue these things for the right reasons. <laughs> one other tangent. Did you see what Trump said about abortions this week? Oh, I did not. Right. So this this is interesting and it's worth a quick chat. So he was doing an interview with oh, it may have been um, today in the news. It was it was a quite a smaller smaller ish media outlet, and he was asked about mm-hmm. his position on abortions, and he said, "Frankly, I don't care." But he then segued on to, <laughs> "When I'm president, I will get both sides to agree, and it will be the first time we've had peace on this in half a century." Right. But mm-hmm. one thing he did come out and say was he criticized Ron DeSantis, who's the Florida governor, for putting in a six week. I mean, abortion yeah. ban. So after six weeks, too bad for whatever reason you can't get an abortion. How many people know they're pregnant at six weeks? It's crazy. It is crazy. Precisely. It is crazy. So Trump came out and said, that's mad. You can't do that. That's terrible. That's interesting. And I will make sure that federally it's at least 15 weeks. And as you can imagine, from a hardcore Republican base, there was a lot of concern yeah. and pushback and people who were appalled that Trump had come out and say and criticized this Florida ban, even though some people, I mean, six weeks, that's even too late. They want instantaneous, essentially. Well, yeah, yeah. And, and like those six weeks is as good as for that's that's the purpose it's serving. They say six weeks because they know that barely anybody can even get an abortion within that. Right, right. You know, but hold on. The next step for them is is banning like the pill or whatever. Yeah. Right. But but the whole the whole issue here though is Trump saying that, which was like six weeks. Yeah, that's that's way too much. 
this to me is that's an election message which is well six weeks now steady on i am much more well, liberal in that way because he wants to win over some voters whereas yeah his republican base we're going to vote for him anyway i mean I, frankly their view on abortion which is much more hardline he doesn't care because he's going to get the vote and this is maybe. this is like testing a, an election message to me which is oh no i'm i'm in favor I think he's just no. He knows DeSantis's stance on a thing, and he's trying to find a different stance. To quote him, he said, "Florida's six weeks abortion ban was terrible." I mean, he says everything's terrible, but yeah, um, I think I, I don't think he's as smart as like trying to strategize and test out messages and do some AD or whatever. I think he he knows who he's against, and right now he's against DeSantis, so he's going to try to say something different from him wherever he can. Trump mostly just says what he thinks people will like not hate him for or will like him for but he he definitely focuses on trying to disagree with his opponents so as much as he's talking about when he's in charge we'll come to agreement he's he's never been in an agreements kind of person um so he just knows what DeSantis did in florida he probably knows that it wasn't very popular even among the base because it's not and therefore he knows that it's a pretty safe thing to say his take on um, because everyone is, every, as you say, everyone who's going to vote for him is going to vote for him, and this is just a bit of a difference. So it's like I don't think he's like strategizing. I think he's just doing what he always does. Okay, let's stick with that side of the pond and talk about Canada, who this week have got into a pretty serious diplomatic row with India. What? Yeah, what on earth? The latest news here is that India have now stopped issuing visas to Canadian citizens Mm -hmm. after this escalating row over the killing of a Sikh separatist on Canadian soil. And this was after uh, Canada said, in fact, it was the Prime Minister, it was Justin Trudeau, said the Indian government may have been involved in this killing. So India, of course, they rejected the allegation. They called it absurd. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it was after the after the death of the separatist leader, Hardeep Singh Najjar, who is a Canadian citizen. Yeah, that's the important, that's another important part. Right. Not the important part. Who was shot dead in his vehicle in British Columbia by two masked gunmen outside a Sikh temple. And Mr. Trudeau said, Can, uh, Canadians? Canadians, intelligence agencies... Canadians, yeah. ...were investigating whether, and here's the quote, agents of the government of India yeah. were involved... I mean, you have to check. ...after India designated Mr. Najjar a terrorist yeah. in 2020. So that's what started it, and now it seems like it's tit for tat. I mean... It's a pretty serious allegation. It is, but at the same time, if, uh, if, if you declare somebody to be a terrorist and then eventually that person dies, you are a suspect, you know? Doesn't matter if you, your declaration was good or bad. If you declare someone to be a terrorist and they are, or if you declare someone to be a terrorist and they're not, if they die, especially in like an attack, yeah, it's okay. It's okay to put you on the list of maybe people who killed them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's reasonable. We've killed a lot of terrorists, but but it's the fact that he came out and said it. I'm sure this was being said in secret behind doors, closed doors meetings. But yeah, Trudeau said this publicly. Yeah, the Trudeau, I feel maybe did a misplay by saying it. Too soon? I'm not quite sure. Uh, Canada have also, they're also pulling out certain personnel in India from embassies so and other yeah. diplomats. Yeah. No, India is in a very interesting place. As we kind of discussed um, when it was the, uh, them being the, wait, is it the UN? They were the UN host? No, they were the, what were they the host of? The host of the G20. The G20 Mr. host, Modi. that's the one, yeah. 
Um, so them being interesting, um, an interesting position for the G20, uh, and then also having an interesting position as far as uh, the Russian conflict and and having a strange position regarding a lot of their um, their balance of capitalism and not really socialism, but actually having some, and then right. um, also having well, a, still on, having on. a caste system, which is obviously just. Bad. I, I, I do it, want to just give some more detail here because I did think Canada and India, that seems like quite a strange okay. diplomatic relationship. But it turns out the two are actually, they have historically close ties. So, for example. Well, I can see why because they both on. had a certain overlord right. stealing all their stuff. They certainly did. Who, by the way, got a standing ovation in the French Senate today, which I'm not uh, going to talk about. Just did. Uh, Canada has one and a half million people of Indian origin. More than half of them are Sikhs. Yeah. That's nearly 4% of the country's population. That's according to the most recent census. Yeah. Yeah. India sends the highest number of its international students to Canada. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. In 2022, they made up almost half of their overseas students at 320,000. And... Behind only Bangladesh, the US, and the UK, India sends more tourists to Canada than anywhere else in the world. Wow. So, yeah. clearly there's a lot going on, and trade, and allies, and this, that, the of next course, thing. So, of course, of uh, course. Relationship now at an all-time low. Yeah, and, and ho- like hopefully investigations go smoothly, and whatever happened is completely well understood and documented, so that there can be progress towards whatever you know, whether it be India going. Oh, I mean, well. how'd you come back from that though? Especially if they decide, oh, actually, this is the gunman, and he was absolutely paid by you. Ah, uh, well. Okay, we say, how can you come back from that? But you know, countries actually don't care about these things. Well, I mean, obviously they, they do. They don't because. Well, no, they don't because look at look at Khashoggi, right? Who got killed, and we all know it. And then we, nothing happened. <laughs> Fair point. Us, us little dudes, like us, us tiny irrelevant people, like like leaders of a movement. So long as it's not the government, don't matter. Again, tiny people meaning nothing. I learned this fact yesterday from a chap I was working with called Paddy, who was excellent. Okay. Uh, he told me that there are seventeen uh, ships in the world. Ships like the size of towns okay which their emissions combined yeah is more than every car in the world we talked about this on the podcast colin 17 ships yeah uh, and and cars get the blame everywhere Oz commuting get the blame for everything like the planes and the ships and yes, all but of don't that don't drive into glasgow because otherwise you'll get in trouble yeah and like i get I, I i agree with the policies to reduce emissions on cars it's crazy to me that we don't have anything to reduce emis- emissions for the big businesses making big money. <laughs> okay. But it's exactly what you're saying. Little guy, doesn't matter. Punish them. They're irrelevant. If they die, who cares? If, if it was someone more significant, it would be a long-lasting fallout for sure. Okay, let's move on. A couple more stories to talk about before we wrap up. And we'll start with the news we talked about last week, which was the escaped U.S. prisoner, Danilo Cavalcanti. Yeah, all right, yeah, okay, okay, okay. was finally captured almost two weeks after he escaped. Pretty good run. He got out of a Pennsylvania jail. Uh, he changed his appearance, stole vans, food, wow. a rifle. I feel like stealing a rifle is just a big mistake on that, yeah, on that another, level. I feel like if you're going to be trying to escape the prison, you don't want to get yourself some weapons because that's going to make yourself in more trouble. Yeah. So thermal imaging eventually really got him caught. Okay. Uh, dogs then came in. They clamped onto his arm, oh, and that was man, the end of that. Uh, one of the side stories in all of this was an ABC News helicopter 
snapped the moment where all the officers who were involved in getting Cavalcanti arrested stood around him and posed for a picture. Oh, cringe. And everyone was <laughs> on social media was like, wait, what, what are you doing? Man, the police um, posing but, for yeah. pictures is a, is a cringe as old as history. They've been doing that <laughs> since the day we invented photos. I, I was thinking, though, like, did the guy himself, did Danilo, was he smiling? Did he give a thumbs up? Was he looking at the camera? Was he pulling a silly face? Oh, surely you These just... are the questions I want to know. I, I'm sure he was raging, but surely you've just got to smile, like, to try and have a leg up on the on the, on the the cops and whatnot. But no, but the police posting pictures, did you see that one from the UK where the police posted a picture of, like, the the snacks and juice that they confiscated for, from some people? What? No. There were some dudes who clearly were buying snacks for the purpose of reselling them. Right. And by clearly, I mean, you can tell as a person, but obviously, that's not a crime until it's done. You can't, it's not a crime while you're, sure. while you're kind of just buying them. So some, some, some police just uh, sto- like stole from these people their bags full of snacks and stuff, and they posted it proudly on social media. And it's, it's, why are the police so cringe? I mean, we know they are. And cringe is obviously better than evil. It's better to be cringe than like shooting the innocents. But still, sure, it's just. Why are they? Why are they like this? Okay, their job is not an influencer. One more story to talk about, and this one. Again, call me unsurprised, senior government officials spoke to Buckingham Palace at the height of the pandemic to express their concern about Boris Johnson's conduct. How about that? So the BBC was told that officials even discussed suggesting to the Queen that she raise these concerns with Mr Johnson during their private audiences. Wow. Uh, This was all uh, outed during a BBC documentary uh, from Laura Kunzberg. And I wonder based, what the Queen has to say about this. Based on... Um, we'll get a medium. They'll help. And, uh, yeah, sources to the BBC revealed that officials had expressed their fears about his conduct, including wow. the clashes with Dominic Cummings that we talked about, the head of the civil service who subsequently left, <laughs> so Sir Mark Sedwell. Like, that's so funny. This is so funny. I love it so much. <laughs> We're just going to go tell mum. <laughs> and one source said the then prime minister had to be reminded of the constitution whether that wow. was from the Queen or otherwise, <laughs> after, if you remember, we talked about this, the government was pro- uh, prorogued illegally. Yeah, the prorogation. Prorogation. Which, uh, yeah. <laughs> so how about that? Up, I don't know if it's real. The Queen having to call up Boris and saying, hey, stop They're breaking the law. Mommy. They're going to tell mummy Queen. <laughs> the reason, sorry, the reason for the prorogation that I brought it up is that technically that was carried out by the Queen, even though it was illegal. Yeah, 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 yeah. She had to actually like approve it. Kind Wild. Of. Uh, yeah, it's it's, it's it, we went through a period of testing our system, and it turned out our system sucked, and it still does. Yeah. Again, this like the story did not surprise me. No. At all. Uh, I'm sure these sorts of conversations go on behind closed doors, it, uh, yeah. but it's the fact that we are now being made, made aware of it is it's just very funny, but also incredibly sad at the same time. But it also does show that the mo- it shows that we still haven't detached ourselves from the monarchy. It should never be a thing that anybody's like yeah. suggesting even somewhat seriously as a solution to be like, could we go tell the queen about this? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> what what kind of country do we live in? It is, yeah, it, it is like being upset by, you know, the bully in primary four 
and the person sitting next to you being like, go and tell Mrs. Calder. Mrs. Calder will sort it out. It is. It's 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 being tell on, but it's to be- the monarchy <laughs> yeah. who are supposed to not be real. Being a grass. Yeah. They're all grass. I mean, if you were going to grass on anyone, grass on Boris. No, grass, like... I approve of a lot of grasses, right? Like, it's good to be a whistleblower. They're a grass, you know? But the problem here, again, it's just that the monarchy is supposed to be just these people that kind of do things, but it's not real. But this sounds like they were treating it like it was real. It's grassing a Scottish phrase. Surely no. Sure, surely no. I say, I, surely no. I, I hate, I hate that my brain does that. I, someone says Scottish, and I'm like oh, immediately, I drop my no. facade. That, that surely be no. from me, from the Scots. I wow. don't, know, don't do that one. That was terrible. It's, it's quite sad if even a Scottish person cannot do it. Well, no, because we've got so many different accents. We've got, we've got so many accents. Okay, right, all right. You can do the ones from where you are from. So I put in grass, Scots, and it's just come up with Scots landscaping supplies, fertilizer, and grass. There's no way that it's just a Scottish word. It's British. It's British. And I found out that roan was just a Scottish word, so I wouldn't be surprised. Outwith. We've talked about outwith before. Great word. Only Scots. I do this every now and then. I've talked about this before. There's some game. There's some like word-based games on the internet. Um, it's, sorry, it's British slang. It's not British Scottish. Okay. It's British. So the rest of our British audience understood, but maybe not others. They get it. Everyone else is saying, "Why are you talking about grass?" They're like, "Didn't oh, you talk about you drugs t- earlier?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow, we were the same. It's horrible. Um, <laughs> there's, there's like word. But anytime I'm playing word-based games online, um, especially ones you have to think fast, I will, I will at least once per session type a word that I've used my entire life, and then the game's yep. like, "No, that's not real. It's not a word." Like, no, but it is. And I look it up, and it's like Scots. What the <laughs> <laughs> well, you say the word roan. Roan, yeah, like gutters. I've never heard that in my you life. You like gutters in your house or a roan? Roan, okay. I what? used that forever, and then I found out that not many people use that. No, that's, that's interesting. Although I did, what I've learned, uh, in fact, if anyone wants to hear uh, another great podcast, maybe a, <laughs> wants to hear. a slight second to our, our great little show here, Something Rhymes With Purple which is Giles Brandreth, the comedian, and that woman from Countdown, whose name escapes me. What? But she's the really smart one with the dictionary. Uh, What's her name? Oh, uh, Dictionary Corner. It's I not her name Rachel Riley. She's the numbers gal. What's her name? She's the numbers gal who is horribly upper class, and I don't like her. <laughs> she's very intelligent, yes. She's a horrible person. I like, no, I like her. Don't Rachel, be mean. No, no, Susie Dent is Susie Dent, of. yes. And she's lovely and the best. Rachel Riley is disgusting. She's No, Rachel Riley's terrible, yes. Susie Dent, yeah. she's great. So, something rhymes with purple. If you like words, and James, I'm looking at you, if you like words, I, I sometimes something do. rhymes with purple, it goes into words and where phrases come from and the most recent episode I listened to was about Yiddish okay. and how many words we get from Yiddish and there's loads of them oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have no idea things like schmooze yeah, 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 yeah. schmoozing Yiddish yeah kutzpah Yiddish well that one's a bit more obvious I didn't know that really yeah and there's loads of them a lot of them have those like sh sound like schmuck well, he's a Collins a schmuck. Well, schmuck was the one that made me re- like do a little bit of a reading into this because I realized one day like schmuck. Oh, what's that? It sounds a little bit Scottish, but not really. And then I find out, yeah, yeah, different, different entirely. So that's really cool. interesting. So yeah, something rhymes with purple. Fun podcast. I thought I was. I get my twenty percent off brain. I was trying to figure out when you were going to tell me what rhymes with purple that entire time. <laughs> Um, I thought you were providing me the backstory to the word, not that you were telling me about the actual nope. title to a thing. I just did not I, realize. 
I'm sure the podcast does cover what does rhyme with purple, but I have no idea what it is. And they're going to say, it's not turtle, you idiots. It'll be something like gurple. Or, you know, it sounds a bit like a disease. Yeah, gur... <laughs> Sorry, James is suffering with gurple today. You can't just you can't just change the first letter of a word. <laughs> you can. <laughs> be like, it might be. Uh, it might be. Durple. It might be murple. That's how James is feeling today. A bit durple. Nurple. It's okay. uh, a body part. <laughs> well, speaking of body parts, it's time to end this. <laughs> end. Um, extra limb. I have oh, no idea. I thought you were just... No, okay. Because end, yeah. you know, like a butt. We'll yep, yeah, it's fine. We're just going to move on. Just going to keep it going. Uh, right. Time has flown, but time is over. It has. Dear listener, if you have... It's September. It's been a year since the last time we talked to... And I didn't actually, but you talked I to did, some people. Yeah, and Billy Joe Armstrong still asleep. Ah, true. And also, today's Earth, Wind and Fire Day. Who is this generation's green day? Did you get my joke? Earth, Wind and Fire? Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah, I got it. Don't worry. Yeah, I got it. I got it. The twin... Twenty first, yeah, that one. Twenty first, don't worry. Anyway, seesawparade at gmail dot com. Tell us what you think. What have you watched? What have you yeah, seen? Yeah, if you are a big Green Day fan, could you let us know who this generation's Green Day is? They need one. They need a Green Day. Can you let us know who who is a Green Day fan out there. Wow, no, they're good. They were like the only <laughs> protest band of our generation. That's right, that's true. Everybody else was very pro war, and it was very cringe. Don't want to be an American idiot. Yeah, yeah. Good, good for them. I tell you what, just whilst I think of it, that 9-11 documentary, which I do recommend you go and, listen, uh, go and watch, it does end with shots of Bush talking about okay. his actions after 9-11, and the interviewer's like, yeah, but you know, it led to the, America's longest ever war in Afghanistan, and also you invaded Iraq. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I, I stand by my decision. Of course he's going to say that. That's... And then, <laughs> yeah, it's just very interesting. <laughs> Because everyone obviously hated it's it. It's like people like lose all their money to things, and they're like, "Yeah, it's, nobody you know, likes that." Could have gone the other way. <laughs> anyway, I'm off to play football. Oh, I'm off to work. Enjoy. Yeah. Well, we'll see you next time for more news. Goodbye, everyone. And fun things. Goodbye, Billy. September's nearly over. True. Wish I could sleep. <laughs>